I absolutely can. I my message will be that your story matters. And if you are in this space that your story is defining you and holding you back, regardless of what that story is, it's blocking you from living the life that you're meant to live. You don't have to get on podcasts and write books and speak on stages to share your story, but find a way for it not to have the hold on you that it does, because that's stopping you from living the life that you're meant to live. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, come on in. It's time for us to get started here. Get fired up. Get the motivation, inspiration, and learn from others who have been through something. And, you know, we can use their momentum in life. And still, you know, life still goes on no matter what. You know, we've been hurt. We've been beat. We've been knocked down. But what do we do? We get up, move on, change your life the best we can, and uh, go from there. Today, our speaker, uh, she had to deal with uh, some... Teen to teenage substance abuses. And she said during the time she lost her voice, her drive, and shame and judgment that ruled her life. She was consistent, uh, consumed with trying to fix everything that was seems to be out of her control. And so let's uh, get started here. Welcome to the show, Marcia Benz Weinsberg. There you go. You got it. You there got we go. It. I had to, had to think for a second. There you go. Thank you so much for having me, James. Hey, I appreciate you being here. And again, I've mentioned to other people that, uh, you know, thank you for sharing your time because we know our time is valuable. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that we uh, can't recycle and we can't get them back. No, we cannot. No, we cannot. So I'm grateful to be here. All right. Thank you. And uh, yep, we're just going to move forward. Uh, My little interview style, I tell people, let's just talk have a conversation, and we can do a uh, business interview at another time when nobody else is listening. Perfect. All right. Marcia, you go ahead and get us started. I'll (laughs) jump in with my little two cents every now and again. I told other people to say, you know, uh, give my two cents worth, but with inflation, it's really a nickel's worth. uh, But no, it's only worth two cents. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Oh, my gosh. doesn't matter which side of the border you're on for that. Exactly. So, all right, Marcia, thank you for coming in again. And let's go ahead. You jump in and we'll, we'll follow and jump in when we can. Perfect. Perfect. Again, thank you for having me. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am what I like to call myself a storytelling business coach, speaker, author. I love all things about stories and helping people to share stories. And the reason that I found myself in this path is I spent, you know, 27, 28 years in the healthcare field working in post rehab exercise essentially I was coaching people just didn't see it as coaching at that time, but many years of doing it. And then when we found ourselves in a situation where we were dealing with teen substance abuse and our boys who were young, the only way I can describe it is it came into our life and it never went away. Everybody said it was just a phase. It was never a phase. It was never a phase that came in. It only amplified. It got much bigger and we found ourselves, all of us in this, this piece that, it impacted all of our lives because they were minors and we were trying to figure out how to manage it. And everybody had lots of advice for us, 
but nobody will actually want to step in and, and give a hand. There was a lot of advice. And so when you're dealing with shameful topics, it's very easy to get small and to get small, put the face, like the mask on, carry the armor, protect yourself until you get to a spot, which is where I got to feeling that I'm completely isolated from everybody. I'm safe from like the judgment of others, but I'm completely by myself. And we were all fighting our own battle, trying to figure out how to navigate this. And then I had to realize that I I had to find a way out. I had to find a way through, or I wasn't going to be here to be a part of this anymore because it was just really hard to watch and see and be a part of. And through a lot of counseling and support, um, I remember a counselor saying to me that if your kids come back to you, you need to be a springboard for them. And you're a big pile of mush right now. There's, you are not serving anyone, including yourself. And that was a turning moment where it was like, okay, I have to start to find a way to take care of myself in the middle of chaos. And it's one thing to deal with a family issue. It's another, when you're dealing with something like this and it's minors and it's in your house. So there was just nowhere to go. Like I, I, nothing felt safe. Nothing felt, um, it, it was a really hard time. It was a very hard time. And anyway, so let me go back here, Marcia. Yeah. That um, two things here is really thrown out to me. First, I don't understand where people would say it's just a phase because when you're addicted, it's more than a phase. Yes. I mean, it's different than, than uh, I don't know, me watching because I was a baseball player before my injury and me watching baseball and baseball and going, Hey, it's a phase because baseball season is going to be over with it for the world series. Then we'll get into football or get into basketball, you know, because yeah. then that's a phase. Yes. You mean, uh, I mean, I can't even believe it. Someone say, Oh, it's oh. just a phase because they're on marijuana. They're, they're just a phase. I didn't say, okay, so the phase then is going to move on to crack or cocaine or something mm -hmm. different, you know, then, you know, uh, it's it's an addictive thing. So it, that's a great point. No, that's yeah, a very I good. I don't understand point. making that. And then the second comment I want to make here, and you can elaborate on either one of them or both of them, or or mm -hmm. move on. Ignore me. I don't care. Okay. Uh, but uh, the other thing is, your uh, counselor you was talking with is thousand percent correct. When you're a mush, you're not going to be a springboard for anybody. If you are not taking care of yourself, there's mm -hmm. no way you help anyone else. No. Okay. You know, a uh, great example, my mother, she wants to be a giver, 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 helping everybody, everybody, everybody. But then her health got so bad. She's in the hospital and told the doctor, uh, he says, I, I need to put you in ICU. You, you're just not. And she goes, well, I got to get home to my boys. I got to take care of my mama. And he says, well, if you want to go home and die, there's nothing I can do about it. And then she agreed to go to the ICU. And that was 25 years ago. And she's still wow. here. Wow. Uh, yeah. So if he wouldn't have been point blank to her that mm -hmm. you're not taking care of yourself. So how are you going to take care of everybody else? And you're not going to be around to take care of everyone. So when he says that you're a mush, you can't be a springer. You can't help anybody until you help yourself. He's a thousand percent correct. Yeah. That was a major turning point. I'm not going to like, that was a yeah. very major turning point that allowed me to look in the mirror and go, like, <laughs> I was an absolute mess. I didn't even write yeah. myself. I was a shell of, of anything. I couldn't support myself, let alone anyone else. Mm -hmm. So when I then started to make myself a priority, then that was seen as selfish. Like, how can you do that when this uh, is happening here? And I'm yeah. like, oh, God, I can't win with anyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I really had to learn blinders. I really had to learn blinders because, and I started to set up some criteria. So I'm just going to loop it back to your first 
point because I, that was a comment that was said a lot. And I remember at the time, like my husband and I saying, you know, when we were younger, we went to parties, there'd be drinking, but like, I would come home, I would go to school. I still worked. I, we weren't experiencing that. That was not what we were experiencing at all. And so it was affecting a lot of things. It wasn't a phase. And so I, I think that we have to be really mindful in that sense of recognizing that we can't just fluff over things that could be a phase. So during that time, like through the help, through the support, recognizing I had to do things to take care of me and to make myself a priority. And I like to say, like, on my choices, take radical responsibility for myself. And ironically, it's literally what everyone had to do. That's you can't make a change in your life unless you decide that you want to make that change yourself. There's no one coming in to do it for you. And if they do, it's never lasting. It has to be from you. And I didn't know that at the time. I was just trying to figure out how to survive. I was literally just trying to figure out how to survive. But the more I did that, the more I kept filling that cup and recognizing I needed more. I was so empty and broken that then it became a case of, I actually have to stop sitting in a space of blame and anger towards them for the choices that they were making. And it was their fault why my life was this way and recognize that I had to take responsibility for myself regardless of what they did. And that became this, this time of recognizing what were my choices and every day became a a message of what are my choices? What's my responsibility? Where am I blaming someone else? How can I take responsibility for myself and I mean, it was a blessing and a half that that was the way it unfolded. But as I started to get stronger, what was happening is I was very open in my communication with the schools. Like we had very, they, they knew there were problems. We, I didn't even try and hide it. Like some parents did, I didn't. I mean, they know anyways, this is the thing people know, right? Like we don't want them to know. We don't think they do, but they do. And so I had very open communications. And then there was a few times where the school asked if my husband and I would come in and speak to other parents because, and I commend them because they were saying, we, we actually don't know what to say to these parents. And all of a sudden we started to open up this communication of like this real time communication. This is what we're all living through. It slowly branched into speaking in smaller groups, then speaking on small stages, then speaking in bigger stages, then speaking. It was like, whoa, where is this going? It was just taking on this life of its own, but I kept trusting. It felt like the right thing to do. And what was happening is as I was doing that and getting stronger by making myself a priority, then I was starting to feel better. I would go speak in um, communities and events and, and, and stages. And I would continually get messages back from people who said, yeah, that's my story. I've never told a soul. And the amount of shame that I kept seeing it, like what was happening is is I was healing and I was getting fueled by their comments that this had to keep going. And so very natural way it led to um, writing, sharing like three collaborative chapters, releasing my own solo book in 2017 then releasing my podcast, then from there releasing three other books. And it's, it's taken on a life of its own, which I'm so grateful for because I believe the work is very important and it's helped me to heal and has helped me to build like great relationships with my kids. So it's, it's, it is, it, it sounds so counterproductive if you're a mom listening that you have to make yourself a priority, especially in times of chaos but I can tell you I'm living proof, and it's very true. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, again, 
her exam, my mother just let herself run down trying to take care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, but, uh, yeah, and, and that that that's a tough line to draw that you're going, someone's saying you're selfish, but are looking after you. Mm-hmm. When you have your children, you need to be going, wait, again, if you worry yourself to death and you're dead and gone, how are you helping them? Not, okay, exactly. No. So, yeah, you've got to be able to, to help yourself. The old saying, help me help you by helping me help you. You know, so I, I got to jump in, take care of myself so I can be stronger and give you the best advice as possible mm-hmm. as well. And, mm-hmm. and from there, and other thing, I'm glad you got into the um, uh, teaching, speaking, counseling, other families, um, because uh, I'm a firm believer that you and I also take the advantage of, it's a form of therapy for us that we don't have to pay for. It is. We're opening up and telling and, and releasing stuff that we don't have to hold on to any longer. And other people are learning from it. And But we don't have to pay for the, you know, $400 an hour counseling. <laughs> what a great point. What a great point. And yes, I couldn't agree more. When you can help someone else, like it did help heal me. I'm not going to lie. Like it really had a benefit for me that it was like, wait, I can turn my worst experience in my life into something that can help someone else. Like that just became, and understand, I mean, at this point, you know, seven years ago when I first started speaking, nobody was talking about these things. At that point, life was very curated. Social media was very curated. Everything looked perfect. And when I decided that I wanted to start speaking and sharing, like majority of my family was like, you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. We don't do stuff like this. We don't share difficult things. And all I kept thinking is, but that's how we got here. Like, this is why why we are where we are. And the other thing to me. And we're not the only one that's going through this. Not even close. Not even close. How many millions that are sitting home holding it in? Mm-hmm. And and not not ser- searching for help, not mm-hmm. seeking for advice, mm-hmm. have no way of opening it up, and their health is going down, their marriage is being broken up, and whatever else is going on. Um, but then you and others tell you story about the teenage substance abuses and how it's affected you. So that's one thing about alcoholism. My, my brother, my younger brother, died of alcoholism, and and other uh, addictions is is they're so addictive, and they don't do it to hurt no, their don't. loved ones, their families, their best friends. They do it because they're addicted mm-hmm. and they don't think how they're hurting the family, the loved ones. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I had to, I had to commit to beat myself up enough to, to realize that my brother's not doing it to hurt me or my mom or my mm-hmm. other brother. Mm-hmm. He's doing it because he's addicted to it. I thank you for saying that. And thank you for sharing that because that's a very key point. I had to learn to let go of anger. There was a long time where Mm -hmm. I felt like, why are you doing this to me? I I did. I'm I'm totally, I'm very real about this is that like, that was where my mindset was. And you have to recognize that. No, that's not like, it it wasn't personal. And that's a, let me interrupt right here. That's another thing is, is um, by the time you realize that it's addiction going on. Oh, it took a while. It yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah, you're not going to find it the first day they tried it. You're not going to find it the first year probably they're doing it because they hide it so well. But mm-hmm. you started realizing something just ain't right. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is when you finally realize something's going on, 
you can't get on how did you get started? Why did this take place? Who it did you, matter. you know, it doesn't matter at that point why you did it. Now, what can we do to get you started and get out of it and get uh, free of this addiction? Now, yeah. you may have to go back and realize they were mad at you or mad at me um, for whatever reason. And they were doing this out of anger, out of frustration, out of friends saying this will make you feel good, make you forget about what happened. Okay, mm -hmm. you may have to go back and do that and then maybe apologize for things or whatever. But mm -hmm. once you realize it, you don't go back. Let's go forward first mm -hmm. and then we can revisit so we don't step in that hole again. It, it, what a great point. And I think that's the whole piece. You have to decide that it's worth just moving forward. I've had so many people say to me, like, I really have over the years saying, like, did they come back apologizing for that? I'm like, what? Like, why? Why am I going to be in the space of like? Learning how to heal myself and speak honestly helped me on ways I could have never imagined. Mm -hmm. We've never been in a space of like, they need to come back and apologize for everything that they did. Like what, like, why do I need to hold that over top of somebody? We've had great, real raw conversations with both of them. They're incredible kids. Like I love, I, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're my best teachers. I say that and hands down, but I've never, I, I'm not holding it in that space because that just applies more shame to the whole thing. And that's really what got us in this space in the first place. So it doesn't need more shame. Yeah, exactly. Because once, once you're confronting them, now their shame was going on. They mm -hmm. know you're not feeling good about it, but no. still that addiction is going to control them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the more time they come out of, the more they're going, Dadgum, and I screwed up again with mom and dad and whoever mm -hmm. else. But, mm -hmm. but again, if with my young brother, we didn't look for an apology I don't no. care. Let's just get no. the help. Let's get I, the help you need it. Yes. Need and go forward. I don't care for an apology. Okay. It doesn't we, matter. We just love you enough. We want you to get yeah. fixed. Yeah. 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 It doesn't matter at that point. And that's like that. I'm I'm grateful. Again, I didn't know that that was going to be a benefit. I'm grateful because mm -hmm. it, it's not necessary, right? It's not yeah. necessary. Um, the other reason why I felt so called to be sharing my story. And I didn't realize that until I started either is that I didn't fit the typical mold. We didn't fit the typical mold of what people thought families look like who were dealing mm -hmm. with this. And if you want to break a, like a stigma, you've got to like right in the face, you have to look at it right in the face. And that's literally what happened is uh, we didn't fit that mold. So that actually would rock people even more because they're mm -hmm. like, how, like, what did you, I can't even count the number of times people said, what do you think you did wrong to cause this? You know what? I used to get very offended by that, but it's just a case of people want to know the one thing so that they don't make a mistake as yeah. though. And yeah. I, all I used to say is, is that I know that there's a lot of things I would have done differently from the very beginning, from the very first day, I was crystal clear on what was okay and what was not okay. There was no gray area. There was nothing like nothing gray there. And at the same time, it's like, I can own that. Yes, I made mistakes, but I did everything I physically could to change it. Everything I could think to do. Like I used to take that sheet around from my counselors. And I remember like a, like a student, it was actually ridiculous, but I take this sheet around and I'm like, I checked everything you said. And they're like, mm -hmm. good for you. And I'm like, okay, but you do. Yeah, I checked it three, <laughs> checked it three times to make sure everything is right. So why yeah. do I still have a problem? And I remember, I remember vividly that towards the end, the counselor saying, because it's probably not your problem to own anymore. And I'm like, but 
you want me just to let go with what can happen? And I had to, and it's yeah. very easy right now because we're, we're very blessed. I recognize that like my kids are doing amazing. They're wonderful. They're full grown men. We could have still had a different story and a different ending. I realized that I didn't know that back then when I had mm-hmm. to let go and let it land where it was going to land. But that's just how our story unfolded. And I think that if I didn't start to take that approach, I'm not sure I would be here anymore. I, I don't know. I had to come to that space because I wasn't going to survive the way I was going. I'm one of them. I believe in the tough love thing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not the type of guy to tell someone, you got to go do it this way. Because one time I had a conversation with my mom. So my younger brother was still living at home with her yeah. and at that time. And I said, I said, Mom, I said, I think you need to tell him he needs to go find his own place. That you're not going to watch him kill himself drinking. Mm-hmm. And you, you tell him he's welcome to come home every time he's sobered up and come home. And she goes, I can't do that. And that's when I learned that's something I can't push on anyone. No. Uh, but, it would, but, if, if, but if it was at my house, I'd go, I would I would have gone. Andy, yeah. I'm sorry. I love you, but you need to go on because I'm not going to watch you kill yourself with a drink. Mm-hmm. And then you got to take on what happens. Here, here, here's the problem with with that. Here's the problem with that. I'm going to be, I got a friend yes. that yes. she told that to her daughter. Her daughter was addicted on the, some type of medication and already been in trouble with the law, bailed her out two or three times. And her preacher says, you got to do the tough love. You got to tell her you're not going to help her anymore. She told her she wouldn't go help her daughter commit suicide. Yeah. It's so as it. I'm saying that you that I would I would do it, but I couldn't say you got to do it because mm-hmm. if you can't deal with the consequences of what follows, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. It's a really tough one. And I think that I think that like for the support that we received, we did a lot with um I had counselors. But we did a lot in parent support groups for addiction, and that was phenomenal for us. It really was. That was the message that they kept sharing. But they're like, here's the thing. Don't set a rule. Don't set a guideline if you're not willing to follow through on it. Like, don't say, if you don't do this, you're out if you're never going to do it because you're perpetuating the problem. So there's a lot of different options. I think what it comes down to is you have to decide at what, like you have to make the decision. And there did come a very key turning point for me where I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Like I'm I'm done. I can't, because I can't fix this anymore. This Mm -hmm. is mine to fix. And I I mean, I, I don't, I would not wish that on any parent. It was a horrible experience and a horrible time. And it was the only option that was left anymore. And so we didn't know how things would go. There were times we went for weeks, not having a clue where they were. And it was, it was horrible. Like it's, so we all have spent a lot of time recovering from that time. And it's very important. And I've, I've said this, I know not everybody would understand this, but I've said it to both of my kids from a young age. Like, I mean, especially as we started to come through and they were hitting that 18, 19 adult, it's that, you know, my job is not to push and pull you through life. My job, I'll walk beside you and cheer you on, but you're here to create whatever you want to create. I will love you no matter what, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to own it and I'm, I can't fix it. And that was a very, like I, I did that for myself and for them. And those words have been more helpful than I ever thought that they would. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, it's tough. It's tough watching them trying to help them. But mm-hmm. again, you said it a long time ago until 
you or them get it in their head. Yeah. It's not going. You can say anything in the world is not going to help until they're ready for the change. Yeah. Uh, from there. So, all right. Now let's look at this. The how long were they addicted before you found out? How long did they stay addicted till they finally change? And did they? And I can imagine. Did they straighten up? Then all of a sudden fall back, and then have to re straighten up again. So we found it at a very young age in our house, very young, like 12, 13. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that's when it started. That's when we found it. Yep. Um, and I would say within the first probably one year, 18 months, it started to become very clear. This was a big problem. Like it was, it was because it just kept showing up no matter what we did. It was always, it just kept showing up. And then within a couple of years, it then started to affect school and going to school, coming home, missing. So, you know, by the time we were in that 15, 16 range, it was messy. It was really, really messy. Um, and we have different laws in Canada, which is another whole story. But it was very, it was very challenging. Um, as my husband says, that parents in Canada have none of the rights, but all the responsibilities. And kids have all of the rights with no responsibilities. We carried all the responsibilities. That's that's a recipe for disaster, to be completely honest. And so we went that's through. Kind that. of, that's kind of what I've said here, and in, in the states here, the United States is. Uh, I've said before that it seems like the laws are made to protect the criminals. Yep. You know, and here we're not serving anybody. Yeah, and, yeah. You, you know, because we have to prove everything has gone wrong, where they can just deny, deny, deny. So it seemed like it's similar up there with. You know, they have no consequences uh, and, and things. So, yeah, but you but everything falls back on you. Yes. And as a as if they're minors, you have to be the person to press charges, even if they're doing something illegal and is caught. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's because this was a this this happened multiple times. And once I got to the space of, well, I guess this is my job. This is I guess this is what I'm doing. Um, I just made it very clear. I'll press as many times as I need to. I still love you, but this is my job is to support your future self. That's how I used to say it. It's yeah. not yeah. Going today. And so it's really not supportive for a lot of people, but it did go back and forth a lot of times. I mean, I'm, it's not, I'm not going to lie. It really, even then it's like, you know, letting them come back in and it's like, okay, but what are the rules? Are we willing to follow by the rules? If we're not willing to follow by the rules, then you can't stay. And it just was this, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself when you're dealing with this. If you're not going to follow through on what you say, um, I mean, I love, I think this is true. I've seen it many times in my life um, with addiction is it's, it is, it is manipulative. It is very much like, so if you're not, if you're going to be wishy-washy, you're contributing to the problem as much as anyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very rarely is it uh, a first time rehab, a fix and it's over with very no. rare. I no. mean, it's just like someone that's in and out of prison all their life. You know, yeah. it's rare they go one time and say, oh, this is really going to straighten me up. Not to say it's never happened. I'm just saying it's rare. Yeah. It's usually people are in and out multiple times where they finally go, you know, this just isn't what I want. Yeah. So, yeah. Agree. Okay. Agree. Yeah. So, all right. And so now, now, Tuesday would be a, I think, a good question. I would think, um, I would think it would be a enlightening for your group that you go with. You and the husband go and speak. You're going to speak by yourself, whatever. Do your boys come with you now they've recovered 
to give their side and what happened and how they got out of it. They they have not. And we haven't done this in a while for speaking. So I've been doing a lot more like I, I mean, it's a lot of my podcast came from there, my books mm-hmm. like this. And um, but they're very aware of everything that I do. And it's been interesting because they both said, you know, if it can help someone else, that's great. That's great, mom. Thank you. Like, that's great. And so they're very, very open with that. And they're very aware of it. They also know, I think, just because it's been a number of years that I am super respectful of them. Like, I've I've been on podcasts where people have asked me, like, gory details. I'm like, I'm not going to go there. It's not. Yeah, yeah. That's not not me. I don't care. I don't care to hear about all that. I just want to. The simple thing. Yes, my sons were addicted. Here's what we did. Forget all that other trash. It has nothing to do with anything. No, it doesn't. And I think because they've seen that I am respectful in a sense, like they realize yeah. like this, this is really all set with the best intentions. I mean, I've had even some pretty nasty messages from people say you have no business sharing stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's fine. You're not my people and that's fine. Yeah, like, exactly. Hey, uh, more power to you. Go do what you need to do. And I'm doing what I need to do. Yeah, so, thank you. I don't remember asking. Sometimes I've said that. I don't remember asking. That's interesting. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's amazing that people, uh, and they come back two or three times to tell you, and I'm going, hey, why are you coming back? I got your message the first time. Why are you back four times? I mean, you must be liking something. <laughs> oh, isn't that good? Isn't that good? And you know what? If I could share one thing, because I think it would Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. If you're ever in a situation like this, and it doesn't have to be this story, but you understand and relate to the feelings that I'm, I've been sharing, you're open and vulnerable to a lot of people's opinions. And it's really, oh, it's yes. a really challenging thing. So I used to say, I finally set a criteria that's like, would, would I allow this person like in my house? Would I have dinner with them? Would they be somebody that I would call? If the answer was no, it was like, then I don't care what they're saying. And I know that sounds easy to say. I had to learn to get to that point. The other reason is because I also recognized that I was my biggest critic. I beat myself down, tore myself mm, down. Yes. I called myself the worst mom in the world for not fixing this. There is nothing that anybody could say to me that I hadn't already said to myself. Exactly. And in recognizing that, I stopped giving so much weight to the judgment and opinions of others. And that changed me. I'm like, that is a really, because I can't tell you the number, probably the number one message I get from people is how do I get over the opinions and judgments of others? You recognize you've probably said it to yourself anyways. Yeah. Here's how, here's how I get past them is I hope you have a great life, the best life possible. Mm -hmm. Leave me alone. (laughs) I mean, that's it. I hope they had the whoever. I don't care what you're doing. I hope your life is better than you ever expected. uh, That way you don't have to come back to talk to me. And so I I couldn't agree more. My husband, I don't don't wish evil on anybody. I don't No, no, no. When I I had to grow, I had to grow up from that. When I was younger, you know, the old, oh, you know, you you get mad and go, mom, I wish you'd die. Well, I'm glad she's 82 and still living. And she's actually living with me now. And so, um, uh, yeah, but, you know, we say stuff when we're dumb and stupid and yeah. young. But as I got older, now anything that I felt anybody's done on to me, I go, hey, I hope you have a great life. I don't have to talk to you ever again, but I hope you have a great life. And uh, from there. I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. My husband used to say, um, I'm sorry you feel that way or thanks for your opinion. 
Like, yeah. is this because it was just this piece of, or okay. I actually had a couple of times where I said, especially when it was early in the, in the craziness was like, I'm sorry, are you offering to come stay in my house for a week? So I can go live, like go sleep somewhere. Cause I haven't slept in. I, and that was the other mm. thing. I mean, I'm talking like it was, it took a long time for my nervous system and it's to finally start to settle down because I didn't sleep for forever. And I, are you offering to come and live in my, Oh, you're not, then I'm not interested. Like That's I'm right. just interested. And, and it's very freeing regardless of what your situation is. If you can learn to get to that space sooner, that would have saved me a lot of, a lot of frustration. If I could have learned to let go of all those opinions in a much earlier format than what I did. What I try to push now is I, w- I wish I could talk to younger kids now because we teach them and they're young. Well, you need to forgive others who've done you wrong and forgive them and go. OK, that's all great and fun, too. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to be taught early to forgive our dumb stuff that we've done. Oh, I mean, it, you know, yeah. here you talk just a minute ago how you used to beat yourself up with, you know, they're criticizing whatever. And you're going, you're not saying anything to me that I hadn't beat myself up with already. Yeah. And so. We need to learn to forgive ourselves and yeah. move on. Yeah. yeah. And, and and then we can be an example for others because this is a conversation I've had with both of my kids in the sense that, you know, I, mom, I, I really did make a lot of mistakes when I was younger. And I'm like, yeah, we all did. And like, so did I. And I did the best that I could. And I'm grateful that you're here. Like, that's the end of it. And learning to not carry all that extra baggage saves all of us, saves all of us so much stress that's just not necessary to carry. And another thing is you're just, you're borderline waiting for you to say it, is you can't be the one to throw it back in their face. So, nope. you know, it, it's done with, we moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's made you who you are today. And hopefully it's good and better, hopefully. Yep. And so- yeah, there, we made mistakes, there. learn from it, experience, and yeah. let's go have the best life possible from here on. Exactly. I can say um, it is interesting because we did take a lot of criticism from other parents when they were younger. And again, it's just it just had a deflection of how where everyone was at. My kids at 24 and 25 are very resilient compared to a lot of kids. They've also literally had to raise themselves from like mm-hmm upwards. So they have had to experience things that a lot of kids haven't had to. They're incredibly resilient kids. Perseverance, you want to seriously talk about like the word perseverance. So they have had, they have developed those skills because they had to. So we've always said like, I mean, I'm, I'm cheering you on at all times, but I can't make this happen for you. Like I just, I've been working on a new toy here. Uh, Whenever someone says perseverance, hold on here. Let me see if I get it to work in here. I'm going to, uh, Fist bump you. <laughs> there we go. I love that. So I love I've been that. working on that. That and I've my favorite words. It really told, is one of my favorite words. Yeah, I told someone I said I need to get a bell. Ding, 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 ding. Whenever say perseverance. And so my other little toy. Hold on, let me get this one. I can high five you. Here we go. Let's do a high five here. All right. So that's my little toys I'm working on here. Perseverance. I love it. I had to work it in there. I knew it was going to get worked in there somewhere. There we go. Thank you. All right, Marcia, I tell you what, this has been enjoyed. Uh, really, I'm glad that you and the family have worked everything out. I'm glad that you're an instrument, a teacher to go help other people now, counseling, speaking. I mean, open their eyes up. Again, 
some of them are going to learn quick. Some's going to take another year or two and uh, accept what's going on and move on. Uh, but I'm glad that you're out there. You and your husband are out there doing it to help other families that's been through a similar situation with it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Honestly, I think that's the piece is, is that you can turn some of your most painful experiences into your best teachers and that I'm glad that I can make that shift and to be able to do something with it. I often say like someone somewhere is praying for the solutions you're holding on to. Like, and when you have learned yes. those solutions, like when you found your way through a door, you can choose to hold the door open for the person behind you, or you can let it slam. And I, we just choose that we can do something good with this. And it's just made all the difference in the world. There we go. Amen, sister. Hey, go ahead and uh, Marcia gives you your social media website. Anybody wants to contact for some counseling, uh, your books, uh, give us all that information here. Perfect. My, if you start to Google Marsha Van W, it will all come up. So it's my podcast. <clears throat> pardon me. is called own your choices on your life. Anything on social media, my website is all Marsha Van W and it shows up. So Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Marsha Van W V A N W. Yeah. Right. For the ones yeah. listening and we'll, um, Again, I'll put links down in the show notes to make it easier as well uh, from there. So, And podcast host as well. Maybe I want to listen to hers again. What's the name of it again? It's called Own Your Choices, Own Your Life, which literally was what I did, started doing six, seven years ago. And so when the title came up, I started the podcast in 2017. We're just under like the 500 episode mark. And it was a place where I wanted to share vulnerable stories. And I am blown away every week by the stories that come on and what people are doing. So it helps me to remember, like, it's not just me. There's so many people out there who have incredible stories and are doing good things with them in the world. And that is something I like to be a part of. Amen. Spread the word. Please. And again, we're here to help other people. And then they pay it forward as well and move from there. Mm-hmm. Remember they claim all this stuff's on the internet forever, Marcia. So in a hundred years from now, your story is going to get out there and help someone it. else. So, I love it. I love right, it. We know there's people hurting and struggling today. If you can leave us with a powerful message to help get through today, that'd be a blessing. I absolutely can. I, my message will be that your story matters. And if you are in this space that your story is defining you and holding you back, regardless of what that story is, it's blocking you from living the life that you're meant to live. You don't have to get on podcasts and write books and speak on stages to share your story, but find a way for it not to have the hold on you that it does, because that's stopping you from living the life that you're meant to live. There you go. Good job, sister. <laughs> I can tell you've done this before. Of course, nearly 500 podcasts. You've done times, this yeah. multiple times. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for coming in. And uh, be sure to share this uh, Marsha's message out there for everybody. And uh, that you know could use some uh, advice here. So I'm Dr. James Perdue, the professor of perseverance. Be sure to do something today, tomorrow, something next week. that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast for motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.